Welcome back to Fleshing It Out with Samantha Spittle. This week's guest is Tina Unruh. She is the creator of the coaching business Selfish Mama. Now, if you are not a mama, that is okay. Keep listening. Tina has wonderful insight. Um, she shares her journey on how she became a coach, um, her daughter, her experience with becoming a mother, and as well as the shift in having awareness, you know, being able to start kind of taking control of your thoughts, being aware of them, shifting your mindset, and trying on new thoughts. And so the stepladder approach that she talks about is something that I think we all can benefit from. So take a listen and flush it out with Tina Unruh. Coming to you from the M&M Exterior Studio in Noakesville, Virginia, this is Flushing It Out with Samantha Spittle, the introvert's extrovert. She talks to people so you don't have to. For now. Welcome to Flushing It Out with Samantha Spittle. I'm here with my guest, Tina Unruh. She is the what would you call creator CEO of Selfish Mama Life and Mindset Coach? Tina, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Lovely to be here. Yes, I, um, as I said, you are a life and mindset coach. And when I met you, I was immediately intrigued by the name of your business, Selfish Mama. And I love that. And so before we even go into it, why don't you tell us real quick um, a little bit more about you and, um, and then after we hear a little about you, we're going to jump into that. What, what is this selfish mama? Two words that it. don't normally go together. I love it. That's right. That's right. So um, first of all, thank you for having me. Greatly appreciate it. Um, so I am a mom of one a stepmom of two grown women and step-grandma to four beautiful littles. I know, I know, it's so great. Um, And so I have just, you know, a very full life when it comes to kind of like the mothering side of things, which I really, really appreciate. I am happily married to my husband of Gosh, I think it's 17 years. Don't tell them I'm questioning that. <laughs> it goes, it, it all jumbles together, right? It does. I've lost time just like in quarantine. I'm just yeah. like, I don't know what day it is. I don't, I don't know. So anyway, it's been a long time Yeah, and it's a great marriage. He's amazingly supportive and I live here in Northern Virginia and um, I really feel like motherhood was like a true calling Um, and so that really spawned a lot of kind of what selfish mama is about, which is, I know it sounds like it's a dichotomy. Is that the right word? Like they sound like polar opposites. Like if you're a selfish mama, you're telling me that your world kind of revolves around your daughter. Mm. How does that work? Well, the word selfish is such a tricky thing because we, you know, selfishness can be very bad and the core of lots of bad things, but I love, but they also, but it's all, um, I'm big on semantics and I hope that I have that word right. You know, like the power we give words and things like that. So I think with selfish, there's one, one offshoot of it. That is like, we need to be selfless people. Like with marriage, you know, you need to think of the other person, not just your own needs and da, da, da. But then there's this place of selfishness where you do need to focus on you because it's the cliche, or it's not a cliche, it's true, but that we've heard a lot, you can't pour from an empty cup, you know? That's right. You need to, to fill yourself up. So um, as you said, you're a mom. I did not know that you were a stepmom and stepgrandma. Um, yeah. So that was wonderful. And you do have a very, very full life. And so you mentioned um, you felt called to be a mom. Is that something that did you always see yourself as being a mom or was that like a, didn't really think about it and then of course became a mom? Uh, well, long story short, I had always dreamt of having two kids, a boy and a girl when I was younger. In my early 20s, I got diagnosed with lupus. 
my mom has it. And then I got diagnosed with it, had a lot of pain, had a lot of problems with it. And um, from my early 20s up until early 30s, so about a decade, I really fought with a lot of challenges with it. Um, until such time, they told me, you know, you're not having any symptoms anymore. And we don't really feel like you need to come back. Like my, my, I wouldn't quite say it was in remission. That's the normal term for autoimmune conditions yeah. that kind of go dormant, you know, for a little bit. And I still have the gene in my body, but literally I, I'm now 40 something. Apparently that is the time thing part of quarantine body. and marriage. Yeah. It just all. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> those, those details aren't. I don't know. Um, I'm in my mid 40s, so it's been a little over a decade now that I've been to a rheumatologist. I don't, I don't have any problems with it, except for one issue. So anyway, I had wanted kids when I was younger. When I got diagnosed with lupus, I had decided that I didn't want kids because mm-hmm. I didn't want to pass it on. Mm-hmm. Like I said, my mom has it, then I have it. And I was mm-hmm. like, I couldn't fathom giving that pain to a child, right? Yeah. So I decided like it wasn't part of, the, part of the deal. I then obviously moved to the point where the rheumatologist says, we don't need you to come back anymore. So then you start rethinking things, mm-hmm. right? And I mean, I'm telling you, I really feel like it was divine intervention. Like I was just like, I apparently need to have a child, like we, we need to have a kid. And, and it really wasn't like, okay, as soon as they told me I'm kind of cleared, mm-hmm. all right, let's go have a baby. Cause now that's what I wanted before. It, it wasn't like that. It, it literally was like a calling on my heart to say, you need to have a child. Yeah. And we worked at it for two years before I was able to have a child. And then of course, uh, as all things do, it went a little sideways. She, um, was born three months premature and we almost died both of us in the process. And so she like literally, you know, coming home, being able to bring her home, knowing that I made it, that she made it. It, it was like, I'm apparently supposed to do this. Like I, I don't know why. And I don't know exactly what this means, but there's something in this parenting gig with this particular soul that was meant for me and I'm here for it. Wow. So, so yeah, it's been quite the journey. Thank you for sharing that. That is, um, I mean, everything from the autoimmune to your daughter, it's a, it, it sounds like it's, um, abounding with miracles. So yeah, an amazing journey. Yes. That's just the beginning, right? It always is. You know, I think mm-hmm. we kind of think, oh, okay, that part's done, mm-hmm. you know, and then we end up encountering something else, Yeah, you know, so. And yeah. how old is your daughter now? She is 10 going on 27. Yeah, that sounds accurate. <laughs> yeah, mine's, mine is nine, almost 10. And she just said to me, she's nine and I think four months. And she said, I'm almost 10, right? I was like, no, I don't No, I wouldn't call it almost 10. <laughs> it's not um, how rounding works. <laughs> yeah, not it. Um, it's funny because you and I have talked offline a little bit. And so I want to make sure to catch listeners up. Um, but I think just hearing just the beginning of your story ties into the selfish mama so much, because if I remember correctly, I, I seem, I, I do remember you telling me a little bit about your daughter being premature and I have a friend, I have a couple friends who've had babies that um, premature, high risk, had to stay home with them. And we've talked about how, you know, because they had to sacrifice so much and the journey to get to the motherhood was so intense is the only word I can think of. That's a great that it, Just listening to you, it was like, oh my gosh, you have to be so selfless. Like, you know, when you have an autoimmune disease, it's so draining. I have it in my family don't technically have one, but I feel like it's part, it's part of it, you know? Yeah. There's just, it's so much you have to pour out. And then with kids in general, there's so much you have to pour out. And I think that, you know, one thing I know that you are big, 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 big on is awareness. And I think that I'm having these life lessons over the last, you know, few months is that 
I've had this, I've had this question of, you know, do we get to the next level? And awareness is a great way to put it. It's like, can you get there without seeing the other side? So for you to be selfish, selfish, you, it sounds like you had to experience complete selflessness to the Mm -hmm. point of exhaustion. You know, that's a great, um, theory, one that I had not necessarily thought of. It may not be true. It's just food for thought. Yeah. I, you know, I, and it's one that I, lo- I love pondering. Me too. <laughs> I love it. Love it. Um, I have to say that it is not um, why I created Selfish Mama. Mm-hmm. Um, really, Selfish Mama is very much a play on words, but mm-hmm. it's also accurate too. Right? Yes, like, you tell me. You tell yeah, me. Yeah, so I, it was, so you guys might hear some consistency here. Um, I, am, I have a very strong spiritual connection. I do not consider myself religious by any means, but I've had numerous, uh, shall we say, experiences. And so I, I just, I know that. God is with me all the time. And if I'm willing to hear messages and receive them, then, then I will, I will get them right. Sometimes the, the craziness starts in the interpretation thereof, but <laughs> regardless, right. I feel like I'm being guided. And so when I became a life coach, um, it was after just a desperate need for work-life balance. I was working full-time. When my daughter was born, we had actually just, well, the month after. She was born in July of 2009. In August of 2009, my grandparents-in-law and my mother-in-law moved in with us. And my grandparents-in-law wanted to live with us. They wanted to live their last years with us. And so... It had been in the works for a little while. And so my, my life was um, very full and, and busy, right? In a, in a good way. Mm-hmm. And so I think that almost every mom can somehow um, resonate with the challenge when you are working outside of the home mm-hmm. of that pull, of right of or even guilt and lord knows i had immense amounts of that Mm -hmm. um you know between being at home enough spending enough quality time with your kids right Mm -hmm. um you know and i did go through that struggle period where you know when she was first home it was a lot of selflessness but i think each mom can also um resonate with the Number one, understanding that it's required, right? You're, I mean, your child needs yeah. you, right? Yeah. But number two, I would argue that most of us want to do that, mm-hmm. right? That's the season. Yeah. It's the season, right? Your infant comes home. It, that's what it's all about, right? It's just mm-hmm. doting all over this baby and, you know, introducing them to the family and kind of figuring out your new norms and all that stuff, right? So it wasn't... It didn't feel like a burden. Mm. It didn't feel depleting. Mm. It was actually kind of life giving. How, you know, like how long I'm was your daughter? This child. How long was your daughter in the NICU? Seventy one days. Seventy one days. And she had, um, gosh, I don't even remember now. I think it was twenty one different administrations of medications daily. And so I had to have the spreadsheet posted on my wall because I like, I literally would go insane if I didn't have the sheet that would keep track of what did I give her? When did I give it? How many more hours does it do? Is it once a day? Is it four times a day? Is it whatever? Um, So, you know, my body stopped making milk after a while because I just, I was too exhausted. I was going to say the stress it sounds like is... Yeah. A lot. Um, but it's one of those things, like when you're in that situation, I mean, you know that your kid is counting on you, like you mm-hmm. are doing everything in it and 
and then some, you know? No. So it just didn't feel like a burden. Well, that's why I was actually thinking of, of your experience. And so I remember when my, when my daughter first came home and, and because my experience is completely different, you know, um, feeling that burden of, I have to take care of this kid 24 seven. I never get a break. Like that was part of the, I mean, I always wanted to be a mom. So there was no, like, I didn't mind, like you said, it is resonated with me of like, I definitely was sold on this is what I want. I'm happy to like care for them. But there was a part of my brain that was just like, this is God willing forever. Not this stage though. Um, But just, I'm never going to get a break. Like 24 set. Like it was almost like the realization that I couldn't be selfish anymore. That now I have this life to care for and my selfishness is gone. Like I can't do anything for me anymore because I have to do everything for this baby. And I wasn't resentful, but it was definitely like, oh, dang, this is a huge life change. That just, I just, when I think of my newborn, that's for me is like the biggest, I don't want to say slap in the face because that sounds too negative, but reality check. That's probably a better word, reality check of, yeah, it's a big change. So Yeah. And it's almost like we take all this time, right? dependent upon how long your pregnancy is to build up to that transition. But it's yeah. like something that I don't think you fully realize until child's here. Yeah. <laughs> and then you're going through the motions, right? And then when people try to warn you of it, I think from what I've seen in the conversations I've had with friends, it's like, I don't want to hear that. Like when you're pregnant, you're like, I don't want to hear the negative stuff. I just want to like enjoy the, the coming of this great thing. And then, you know, the, that's when some of the hard things trickle in or, um, and then depending on our experiences, you know, listening to your story and stuff, like, I think there's just, I'm obviously all about wanting to share stories. And so it's, it's just funny that we talked before about when you're vulnerable and you have to kind of be cautious with it. When yeah. you kind of have certain knowledge, you want to share it, but then you kind of don't want to overshare with people and like overwhelm them with certain realities, I guess, is maybe one way to put it. So, Yeah. But yeah. we digress. So back with selfish mama. So, so yeah, I, I, I feel like when our kids are infants, as mine was obviously, and given the journey, right, I was all in, you mm-hmm. know, because I knew she was relying on me. And, and I mm-hmm. honestly did not have not one um, negative thought about the selflessness yeah. at that moment. I never, I never recall feeling like I actively thought about it. It was just, what is the next thing? What is the next thing? Because it was just so full, like all the medicine, everything. It was just, I just need to keep the baby alive Mm because she also came home in an apnea monitor, you know, so just all the things, right? Yeah. So the the transition really happened, you know, obviously when she was older and, um, you know, feeling that tug of, I'm not getting enough time. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like I'm getting enough valuable time, right? I felt like I was on the merry-go-round. Mm-hmm. And like, like by time, just, you mean like me time? Like the way we say time? No, like, with her. Oh, you weren't getting enough time with her. Yes, because I was working. Oh, okay. And remember I had you know my grandparents-in-law and my yes. mother-in-law. My husband was working swing shifts. So by the time I came home, I was cooking for everybody. I would pick and up they were the helping with daycare. Her. Yeah, my um, my mother in law watched her during the day mm-hmm. after she was allowed to to be out of my care. Mm-hmm. Um, so she would watch her during the day until such time she was released for for daycare. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and so you know, really, that is when the the biggest challenge I think started with me, right? Was that pull of one, I wanted to be home. Mm-hmm. I was kind of jealous of my mother-in-law. I was like, I, I want to I be the one who's taking care of her. Like, I want to be there, you know? Um, but we had other family responsibilities. And so I had to work. Mm-hmm. You know, I told myself there just wasn't a way, you know, for us to do this. And my husband's super supportive, always. And he was like, I'll just work two jobs. And I was like, nope not doing it. We're going to do it together. 
you know? And so you just ride this, you know, pendulum, right? Of, oh my God, can I take it anymore? You know, I want to be the one at home versus, okay, I know why I'm doing this. Yeah, you know it's it's okay. Everything. I think fine. that's so affirming for women to hear because I think that just that pull is always. I think it's always there, you know, like it, for a lot of women. So I do. Yeah. So that probably started when she was two or three, so 2011, 2012, somewhere in there. And obviously, um, we had a lot of uh, family changes that happened over that time. We lost our grandparents-in-law. My mother-in-law moved out with her daughter. And so, you know, just different, different seasons again, mm-hmm. right, of life that just kind of keep it going. And it really hit a pinnacle of, okay, I can't do the pendulum swing anymore. I can't go back and forth. I can't be so distraught over what's going on and then like convince myself and rationalize that it's all okay. Like mm-hmm. I wanted so desperately to somehow be in the middle mm-hmm. or to find that sweet spot, right? Yeah. That work-life balance. Um, and so in 2015, uh, of course, as things happen, um, I was asked to take on more responsibility at work. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. I don't even want to be here. Not to do <laughs> now more. you all want me to do more. <laughs> no. And I felt so stuck and I won't get into the story, but I said yes because of the situation. And I almost had a breakdown because I was like, I, I I just don't understand how I'm supposed to be able to do all this. And I started Mm -hmm. praying really hard. Not that I wasn't already, but I mean, I was literally in like, somebody needs to help me because I, I I cannot do this anymore. Mm -hmm. And that is in essence when I came upon life coaching because I was like, I need a way out. Like I needed to see a way out, you know, Mm -hmm. and just living in it um, and the struggle of it. I was like, okay, I need to know that I have some, so that something different is going to happen and I can't expect it to come to me. Like I have got to figure out something for myself. Right. So even though then life coaching was going to be, the program was almost a year long it was going to be so demanding and take even more time away from my daughter. I rationalized it as it's, it's the hard thing I have to do right now mm-hmm. to get me to it's what I want. It's a light at the end of the tunnel and it's creating the hope you need right. to get through it. Right. Yeah. And so this is a very long answer. I'm sorry to your, to your question about selfish mama. But I swear it's coming. Here Part it of the process though. And I think that's important to share. <laughs> you know, th- that's the whole thing. And that's what I go back and forth with, with this podcast is that it's like, part of my vision though, is that you can have people give their tips. Boom, boom, boom. Here are your tips. But I think it just goes back to the joy is in the journey. Yes. And if we just focus on, oh, you're a life coach and da, da, da. Well, what got you there? Because that's the part where when people listen to other people's stories, they see themselves that they're burning out and life coaching might not be the answer. So the value is in seeing like for me at least. So for listeners, if this is for you is that there is joy in hearing someone's story when you can find pieces of yourself. So even if it doesn't match exactly, you see how, you know, someone was at their breaking point, what they did to change it. So if the only takeaway is I've got to do something to find that light at the end of the tunnel, then bingo, you know? Yeah. So yeah. I appreciate you sharing. Yeah. That's why I like talking to people. Yeah. It's, and it's lovely to be able to share, you know, the, the, the progress, right. Of mm-hmm. how we, how we got here. Mm-hmm. Um, because I do think it's important. And I feel like a lot of the women that I do serve do resonate with the struggles of work-life balance and, you know, something I think we touched on, before we started recording, which I'm sure we'll focus on too, which is like the idea of, you know, both an and and not either or. Um, And so the space that I was in back then before becoming a life coach really was either or, you know, I want to be at home, right? But I, but I have to be here, right? It was Mm -hmm. just this feeling of polar opposites Mm -hmm. all the time. And um, so again, long story short, I get into the life coaching program 
and everything changed. Mm. But yet nothing changed. I still had my job. I still, I had even more of my job because I was now, you know, having more responsibility and more challenge, but yet everything changed. Mm. And what it, what, what, what it was really was, it was me. Mm -hmm. Like I had been missing me. Mm. So that's where the self comes from. Being selfish, more like yourself. If you look in the dictionary, self is just you, and ish means somewhat. Mm. It's similar. It's a likeness of. I want people to realize that when they start to live life more like themselves, meaning integrate yourself, feel free to realize that it doesn't have to be either or it, we don't have to be selfless or selfish as commonly defined right if you just realize that you too can be a priority and see the benefits of it quite frankly then everything i feel starts to just kind of settle into place and so yeah yeah so you know, I started spending all this time and I mean, I can't even tell you, I, I, I have no idea how I survived that year of working and going to life coaching and I was volunteering at my daughter's school and I was doing so much and yet I was almost like the happiest I had ever been. Mm -hmm. And that was also like a profound mind bend for me because I was like, I didn't even think I had enough time in, in the day before, mm -hmm. but yet somehow I'm looking at work differently mm -hmm. and I'm not as stressed out. And, you know, I still, I have even less time with my daughter, but yet the time that I did have was so hyper-focused yeah, and so focused on quality. Intentional. Yeah. It's yeah. like, yeah, you're, so it was like a complete, utter break of my belief system. I love that about the self. It doesn't have to be selfish or selfless. You know, the, instead of the either or, that both and. I think that's huge. And I love what you said about the definition of self, selfish. And it goes, mm -hmm. you know, when we, I, I said I, I'm big on the semantics and whatnot and words and the power we give them. And so I think that that is a great realization to have that to be more like you. And um, we talked with Andrea daughter for her episode uh, about, she always says to her client, who the F are you, <laughs> you know, um, and helping people figure out like, you know, with what she does as a, a social media coach, you know, when you are putting out your business, she needs to know who you are, but that even goes back multiple layers because you can't even put out to the world publicly who you are if you don't know privately who you are. That's right. And I, and I would be so curious to know if that is a struggle for her clients to answer. It is, I mean, that's kind of, that's what right? we talked about is um, it, about how that is a struggle and kind of needing to peel back the layers. And I mean, I think that's kind of what maturing is. If you, you know, mm -hmm. I feel like if you do it right, um, you like, it's, oh, this is who I am and, you know, what are the things we do for other people and, um, you know, where's our focus, who are we living for, who or what, you know, depending type thing. So exactly. now I know um, I love, thank you so much. I love the shift in perspective. I think so many people can agree with, uh, not agree, uh, can, it resonates with them and they can understand that. And I think there's, like I said, there's power in sharing that journey. And so um, I heard a few things when you were talking those shifts, we talked about being intentional and I know that you have some like cornerstone things that you share with people. And so as we, um, before we wrap up, I want to make sure we touch upon those cornerstones that you feel are super important. And then, like I said, I think that that is so valuable because no matter where anyone is at, these are things that can just be a huge game changer for your life. Even if you don't feel like you need to have a game change. Change Absolutely. Mood. These are huge. Absolutely. 
So the first, like you talked about, is just awareness, right? Like I feel like before I became a life coach, I just, I lived life as probably everybody else did. I'm assuming, you know, you get up and you go to work, right? You feel like you have goals and intentions and whatnot, but until you understand how to bring what's unconscious to your conscious awareness, you have no idea what you're doing, right? Like literally, I think I've, um, I saw a statistic where at least 40% of what we do every single day is habitual. Mm -hmm. So that means it's either subconscious or unconscious. You're doing things and you're thinking things that you just don't even have control of because they are just on autopilot. And oftentimes, I, you, I, even me, I used to say, get off of autopilot, right? It's just, it's almost like the enemy. And that's, that's BS. It's not. It is what drives us, right? Our humanity oftentimes is based upon the ease of repetition of things that work, right? Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of our life that needs to be habitual. We don't want to have to think of you know, what the color is of the leaf on the tree or, mm-hmm. you know, which foot we're going to step out of bed with first, right? Like those are all things that are just happening um, that we don't have to give awareness to. But when we feel a sense of um, discomfort and pain or confusion, right? Um, I really want people to practice awareness. And um, I have a couple of things. One is to, to, to do awareness. One is of course, journaling, mm-hmm. you know, just free, write. Um, if you don't like journaling, do voice memos on your phone. Just talk to yourself. Just, it needs to come out of here. However that happens, it needs to come out. So journal or voice memos. You can also chat with someone that you trust and ask for them not to fix anything. Mm. Just to write down what they hear. Mm. Right? That's huge right there. Can, As you yeah, said, yeah. you ask them, I don't want you to fix it. I just need to talk. That's a really mm-hmm. big tip right mm-hmm. there. Um, and then the last suggestion for awareness is pretend that you're on a movie screen. So if you were watching yourself in that moment, mm. and I do this a lot in my parenting, if I'm having a dialogue with my daughter, I, I try to remove myself from my perspective and I try to pretend that we're on a movie screen. So, you know, what is it that she might be going through? What is it that I'm feeling, right? How am I showing up? Like, what does it look like from an observer's perspective? So taking kind of a watcher perspective, Mm -hmm. all of those things help build awareness. Um, So awareness is the foundation for everything. You can't do any of this stuff without stepping up your game and deciding to be more intentional. And that's the fun of peeling back the layers for me personally. You know, I've always been a big layer peeler and it goes back to wanting to sit around and ponder new ideas and things like that, because that may not be the answer, but it might lead you to other ideas. And I think when you have those aha moments for yourself, it also allows you to have better relationships with other people because when you're aware of you, you can then engage more with other people. So absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Another principle that I think is really, really big for people is just mindset. And again, you can't have that without awareness. Mm -hmm. Um, But when I say mindset, I mean your thoughts and behaviors and perceptions about not just yourself, but the world. And obviously I work with a lot of moms. And so for me, it's also about parenting, you know, like for instance, one of the bigger struggles that I had when I was struggling with this work-life balance and kind of having the pendulum swings and, and all that, I was extremely cognizant. So I was aware of the fact that I didn't want that to be my daughter's life. Mm. So if she's watching me, Mm -hmm. is she watching me get up and go to work every day and be miserable? Am I using terminology that makes it sound 
Like it's the last place I want to be. And that's actually, I've seen with the quarantine right now and the tips, reminders, don't make your kids feel like this is a burden, that they're a burden on you. Right. Mm. So, you know, really get clear, use the awareness um, tactics that I suggested to try to just identify different mindsets, you know? Um, do you hate Mondays? Right? Are you exhausted when you get home, you know, and you're not giving your kids your best? Are you believing that um, you have to have a drink to unwind mm -hmm. from your kids? Not that there's any problem with drinks, folks. <laughs> Just saying. Um, you know, because it's one of those things where if we convince ourselves, like, yes, I need a drink, you know, or my kids are going to drive me to drink, you know, those kinds of ideas, they're fun for sure. But if you really believe them, mm -hmm. then it could be shaping, you know, a bit of your reality. Mm -hmm. and, and if that is not the reality you want, then that's what I'm suggesting, right, is, is bringing that to the awareness and kind of deciding that you can believe something different, right? Um, so just being really clear on, on the mindset pieces is huge yeah. for me. And then... The last thing is, which I just mentioned, which is, um, you know, an all or nothing belief system will definitely keep you stuck. Mm -hmm. And so it is starting to try on different thoughts or different beliefs. Brooke Castillo says this, um, you know, try, try on thoughts like you do clothes. Just try it on. Mm -hmm. Right. What if, what if my, what if I didn't hate Mondays? What if I didn't feel like my kids were exhausting and draining me? What if I could have everything I wanted? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I mean, just play with it. Right? That's all it is. A belief is just a belief. It doesn't have to be true. And that is a huge mind bend for people because so many people just want it to be right. Is yeah. it right or oh. is it wrong? I'm, I'm the queen of that. Like, then that's one thing in my journey that I'm tweaking is that whole, that's why it goes back to that both and instead of either or, because I come from, I joke, a long line of there's a right way to do it. You know, mm -hmm. when you fold the towels in the closet, <laughs> there's a right way. <laughs> And it is, is there really Samantha. Well, I mean, according to some people, <laughs> yeah, there is. And it, and it was a real mind bend when it was like you can fold them anyway. Um, but that's because that's the way they fit in the closet. It's, so it's not that it's right for everybody. It's just that was what was right for example, my grandma, because of the size of the closet, there's always a reason yes. behind it. Yes. And so um, I love the both and. And I love that idea of trying on the clothes, try on your beliefs. And someone said something, I was actually talking to uh, a woman the other day and she said, we were talking about mindsets as well. And she said, what are you getting? You're getting something from a certain belief. And so what are you getting from it? There is a payoff. A you payoff. would not do it if there was not a payoff. And so I was like, oh gosh, that's another thing we got to peel back those layers on is like, what is the payoff I'm getting here? Because mm -hmm. I say I want to change, but I'm not truly going after it. So what is the payoff? Mm -hmm. Sometimes you got to peel back these layers. It's like, this is where the fun starts, people. It's not okay. fun when it's happening. Growth is never fun. It's painful in the process, but it is worth it. I guarantee it's worth it. I have to, I have to, um, if you don't mind, I'm going to respectfully challenge that belief. I love it. Please do. Please. I find growth really intriguing. And so I don't always find it difficult. Mm, good. See, it's a good, good at all mindset to change. Like I think that I have now invested myself to the point that I feel like I'm always growing mm -hmm. and I'm going to continue to grow until the day I die. Mm-hmm. So it's not just about, okay, now we're tackling this idea. I mean, mind you, you know, you do have moments where you might do that because it really is needs to be unpacked, but mm -hmm. I'm just so in it. And to be my best self 
right? Like I'm, I'm having to always grow mm-hmm. and change and it, it just doesn't feel like such a, it doesn't feel as much of an effort anymore, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, for sure. So, so I think it can be something that people entertain and kind of settle into after yeah. a while. Yeah. Um, and it's not as always as scary as maybe they think it is. It's funny because we've been having this conversation for a few months and it's like, it goes back to what you said about, I want to challenge that and that I'm committed. And I think that's what it is, is that once you get more into it and the fear, you see that like, oh, this is good. This is bettering me. It's bettering my life. It's bettering my kids. It's bettering my marriage. It becomes more exciting. So it does. I think- and and I want to, I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, but no, I want to say this before I forget which is, you know, you said a lot there that is so awesome that I want your listeners to also benefit from, right? Which is, you mentioned the discussion for the good to great, right? And in essence, is it, do you want to settle for good? Mm-hmm. Because you're afraid of losing it yes. in attempting to seek great, mm-hmm. right? And so when we tell ourselves, well, it's good enough, that's what I kept telling myself right? It was that pendulum swing. It was like this pull, this intuitive pull that was telling me you need to do something different. And I was too afraid to lose what I had. And I was also feeling the either or of, but if I want more, does that mean I'm not grateful for what I have? That it's not good enough. And so I was like, no, 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 it is good enough. So I'll just, I'll just stay here because I don't want to act like I'm being selfish. Yes. that I want it to be more, right? But like we talked about, I'm a spiritual person and I have mm-hmm. now settled into the fact that that pulling, that is God. Like, yeah, I know yeah, it's my belief for true for me. Yes. And I believe God dwells within me. Mm-hmm. If I'm made in his likeness, then he is in me already. And so I don't need to search outside mm-hmm. of myself mm-hmm. for him. What my true desires are, I believe, are from him, and that is the path that I'm being called to. And if I accept the challenge, mm-hmm. then I have to believe that it is in my best interest, mm-hmm. even if it means pain along the way, right? Because he and I had some serious conversations about a three-month premature child. I was like, hold oh, yeah. up. Did you not tell me I was supposed to have a kid? What the F? I didn't sign yeah. up for this part. And you can, <laughs> right? And my, and just my belief, and I want to encourage you if, you, if anyone's on the same plane, he can handle it. God right. can handle it. He can handle all the F bombs. That's right. All of it. That's right. Take it all to him. That's right. The other thing is, is that I also believe that, um, well, I shouldn't even say believe. This is scientifically proven we all have a deletion device in essence in our brain called the reticular activating system. Get all geeked out, but y'all can look it up. I love it. Um, In any event, what you tell yourself matters. So when you tell yourself something like growth is hard, your brain will seek to prove that belief true. So it will delete or remove or ignore any evidence to the contrary, because it takes too much energy and your body's developed to hold on to your energy reserves for spaces where you really need it. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so that's why a lot of the stuff that we do is habitual. It's really to conserve energy. There is yeah. a, there is a physiological purpose as to why a lot of this is done. Um, so when you realize that you might be shaping your own reality based upon your own thoughts because your brain is like, oh, wait, you just said that this is hard. So, yes, see, this is, this is why it's hard. Yeah. And your brain yeah. wants to protect you. So it's right. confirming all that, yeah. Uh, yeah, and, and it's full of your ego too. So it wants mm-hmm. to be right. Like, see, yes, this is what you just said. We're confirming this is true. This is hard. Dang it, this is hard, right? And, but yet if you switch it and say, well, maybe it doesn't have to be hard. Maybe only parts of it can be hard. How willing am I for it not to be hard? Right? Just little shifts. Because lots of times people practice affirmations, of course, right? So, you know, if you're talking about, let's say, body image, because that's such a huge thing for so many women. So it's just an easy one to pick on. 
you know, and they'll find all kinds of flaws with their body. You can't necessarily say, okay, yes, just tell yourself every day that you love your body. Mm -hmm. Doesn't work like that. You really need to. (laughs) How does it work? We need to do like a step ladder Mm. to it, right? So just like I just um, offered to you, try on thoughts and beliefs, just like you try on clothes. Find a more neutral belief or the potential of something that you can settle into that does feel like, Oh, I I can, I can work with this or I can believe it. Right. Mm -hmm. So for body image issues, when I'm working with clients, you know, I don't have them do crazy affirmations that are like 180 from where they are because it's not believable. Mm -hmm. They're not going to believe it. And just repeating it after a while, at least in my experience and with my clients, it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. And so we do a step ladder approach, which is, all right, what's, a new, what's the next best thought that you can think right now that you're willing to believe that you can just practice, right? And so for that, it could be, for using the body image, it could just be, I have a body. You, you can't disagree that you have a body, but at least we're not shaming it, and at least we're not finding all the faults with it, right? Do you see? Yeah. Because in essence, our brain works in judgments. Everything has to have meaning. Like we apply meaning to everything. Something's good or bad. It's right or wrong. It's, you know, it's helpful or it's not helpful. And if we can start to realize, obviously, when we don't have good body issues or anything for that matter, it's a judgment. That's all it is. This is a judgment. That's, that's your interpretation or your belief or your feeling about a certain subject. So in this case, your body. So if you can move to something more neutral that doesn't have any charge, and you can just sit in that one for a while. So that would be the affirmation. Like, I have a body, and my body has gotten me this far. You know, my body has seen me through X numbers of struggles, right? Or three babies, you know, or whatever. Like, those are things you can't discount because they can... they're. They're just fact. They're not interpretation. They're not, they hold no charge or meaning. And so we do a step ladder approach to the fact that once you then settle into those beliefs, then it's easier to then move up to where you're applying meaning again, but in a positive way. So just like the thoughts about growth, right? Like, you know, saying on one side, it's really hard and that may be your experience, you know, for right now. So People might settle into that, but to get to the point of, you know, it's great. It's wonderful. It's awesome. I mean, I'm not there yet, Um, but we can be open to, well, what if it doesn't have to be? Who says it has to be? Is it just because it's been my experience? And even if it's been my experience, does it have to always be my experience? Do you see what I'm saying? So you can kind of play around with it. You can either play around with an actual thought or you can ask yourself questions and kind of question yourself. Um, My friend had um, told me about affirmations, if I have it right. Uh And it's about asking yourself questions. So you, instead of saying like, I am a healthy person, you're like, you know, I make healthy choices, which is like, you could say it's a good affirmation. Um, It's it's, um, asking yourself why am I a healthy person? Because she said, and then I was starting to read a book about it, about then your brain goes to work, your subconscious to figure out why that's true because our brain wants to make things true. And that was appealing to me because that's what everything you just said resonated with me. um, And I'm sure with a lot of listeners because it's that, yeah, how do you go from like, I love my body. I love, you know, like your your brain's like, yeah, that's not true. So I love the idea of the stepladder approach and- that's, yeah, I think that's really huge to take people. I mean, it's funny, it's in line with the mission here too, which is moving the needle, you know, opening up new thoughts, giving people thoughts to ponder. You know, this isn't legit therapy. It's, it's not anything like that, but it's peeling back the layers. It's, it's moving towards healing and growth, you know, and I think that that right. stepladder approach is such a beautiful way to introduce that idea and to start taking some steps to, and then identify where are the areas, you know, to kind of go back to what you said. It's like, 
your big, your three big things, awareness, mindset, and your beliefs, that is in and of itself, it's a stepladder, you know, Mm -hmm. you kind of figure out your awareness. And then once you're aware, you kind of figure out what your mindset is. And then of course, behind that mindset is what are your beliefs? So it's, Mm -hmm. that's a beautiful stepladder. So it is. And it's all about you. All about you. It's all about you. And, and you hold the power I, that you said that in the beginning about with, with your story, you know, I know you've said that with your story, you were the only thing that changed. I was. And that I, I, is everything else changed around me. It was just mind blowing. It's, and I think that's the, that's the key. So thank you, Tina. You gave a lot of great things for people to think about, for me to think about. And um, like I said, I love. I love that stepladder approach because I think that's something really you can, everyone can walk away from and start making changes in their life. So thank you for that. Be brave. Dig deep. Be brave. Dig deep. If people want to find you, Tina, where can they find you? They can go to my website, selfishmama.com. I'm also on Facebook at Selfish Mama and Instagram at Real Selfish Mama. Awesome. Well, thank you, Tina. I appreciate your time. appreciate your heart. And um, I just, I look forward to continuing the selfish journey to be more of ourselves. Yes, please. Thank you. Thank you. And that's a wrap for now. Thanks for listening to Flushing It Out with Samantha Spittle. Music provided by twinmusicom.org. Song titled Night at the Dance Hall. Sound editing by me, Jeremy Spittle. A special thanks to our studio sponsor, MM Exteriors. Visit their website at mmexteriors.com for all of your roofing, siding, and gutter needs in the Northern Virginia area. Visit our website at flushingitout.com and be sure to subscribe. This has been a Spitfire production. That was the greatest thing I've ever heard.